Welcome to another of our 10 Minutes with special Cood Street podcast. Jonathan Straw and I and I have been doing since this terrifying lockdown began. And today we're spending 10 minutes with uh, World Fantasy Award winning Sophia Samatar. How are you, Sophia? Well, I'm hanging in there. That's as good as anybody can do, I guess. I mean, it's uh... <laughs> pretty much is. Yes. Well, let's start with the first question we've what are you reading, uh, and and what are you thinking about it? Well, I'm reading um, the brilliant book, The Rings of Saturn, by Vege Sebald, or W.G. Sebald, depending oh, yeah. on how you pronounce it. Um, amazing um, German writer. It's a book that I've read several times, probably three or four times. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's described as a novel but it's really, um, it's a universe. I mean, it's a, it's a meditation on history and um, especially the, the more difficult sides of history um, mm-hmm. and environmental, you know, destruction and waste. But also um, there's a lot of nostalgia to it. Um, it's a lot about walking and observing and um, loving what is around us, even as it fades. Seabolt had a reputation for large scale, I guess, imagination, but I'm trying to remember. I don't think this is his most famous book. No, I think actually um, Austerlitz might be his most famous one. And it's it's weird because I uh, he's one of my favorite writers. I've been reading him for years and and. Austerlitz is probably my least favorite. Not that I don't huh. like it. Um, it's still great. But I love I love Vertigo. Vertigo is probably my number one. And and then the Rings of Saturn and then the Emigrants, which is also wonderful. OK, anything else that you'd like to mention? Um, well, I recently reread and this is something completely different. Uh-huh. Um, but before I started the Rings of Saturn, I reread the entire Dark is Rising series by Susan Cooper. Oh, that's great. These are from the 70s. I read them as a kid. Um, And I so the the second book, The Dark is Rising, is my favorite of the series. And that one I have read many times. I actually read that every December. It's like a ritual. Yeah. Um, But I had not read the whole series probably since I was a kid. and there are, you know, some some decent reasons for that. Um, well, probably, yeah. But um, but it was it was just yeah, sort of fun to return to that. I I have no doubt that it was a kind of like um, you know a reaction to everything that's happening around us, a kind mm-hmm. of return to a touchstone that. Um, gave me a lot of pleasure when I was a kid. And they're still, they're very, very good books. I mean, they, they, it's a little bonkers and, and a little scattered. It's something where things do not get tied together neatly at all. And you're kind of going through and it, it's sort of like, there's always a new prophecy and uh-huh. some, some new poem that is now going to be a prophecy that must be fulfilled. And it feels haphazard, but... <laughs> It is a series that is written, I think, um, with a lot of trust in the writer's intuition. 
And for me, I would always rather err on the side of trusting my intuition, trusting the images that occur to me. I'd rather go wrong that way than go wrong in a kind of super neat, tied up kind of. Um, I, I understand that, and I think I think that's that's one of the real one of the reasons that that series appeals so much to kids' imaginations is that it kind of follows the logic, a kind of dream logic, a kind of logic yeah. that they're. Uh, imaginations take them. It's one of these things that uh, I'm amazed at how many people uh, regard that as a formative uh, hmm. series of novels. And the kind of setting that it uh, it, it creates is uh, has become a whole tradition by itself as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And she, you know, in her 80s now, she's still going, she's writing, you know, she's publishing children's books. I was just looking her up and wow. like she just had a picture book come out last year. Yeah. Did she ever get a World Fantasy Life Achievement Award, do you know? Oh, I don't know. I, I will have to look that up. I remember uh, I remember a few years ago, many years ago, I was uh, a judge for that. And we were surprised to find out that she was alive then. Uh, and, oh, and, and still, well, so. she, she has not quit. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, second question is a different one slightly. Not necessarily what you're reading, but what do you tell people they ought to read in times of stress like this? Yeah, well, I think, you know, my the the most recent answer, the answer that I just gave um, can answer this one as well. I think it's a great time to return to old favorites. Uh Um, Not necessarily, although I do tend to think in this somewhat gloomy way, but it's sort of like, you know, I, I want to make sure I reread that before I die. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, what do you, what do you want to return to? I think it's a, it's a chance to look back at or to, to take an overview of your reading life up to this point and say, what are the things that I want to be in touch with and the things that are really important to me and, and read those now. Um, I also think it's a great time for, Things that are sitting on your shelf, especially since, um, you know, library access is is not there anymore, mm-hmm. um, that you haven't read. And I ha- have a lot of that stuff. I mean, I have an, an embarrassing amount of um, books that I've picked up at various times in various places that I haven't read. So just recently I read um, Silver Road by Kazim Ali, which is a beautiful autobiographical work that I bought, you know, a couple of years ago at a conference, and I just never got around to it. And so I thought, now is the time that that I'm gonna that I'm gonna read that. Let me get through um, some of these books that are sitting around that's, the house. That, that's that's an interesting um, sort of mid ground between the two things I hear. One are one is that, yes, returning to your favorites are the books that you want to reread. Uh, and then some people, nobody in any of these discussions have said this, but I see it a lot on the web. This is the time to finally read Proust. This is the time to, you know, oh, yeah. make your way through infinite jest or something. And uh, and I've heard that described as Corona shaming, where, you know, if, if you come out of this. Oh, and you, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but the idea, I think you, this is a even better idea. Just things that you bought and you didn't ever get around to that maybe are not classics and maybe are not old favorites, but just kind they're of there. They're, they're, they're there and you don't know what's in them. Uh, yeah. And um, well, the third uh, issue, unless there's something else you want to mention there, is 
What have you got uh, that you'd uh, like to call attention to that's out in the world? Well, uh, I, there is a new anthology um, edited by Jonathan Strong called uh-huh. Made to Order, Robots and Revolution. And I have a story in there. It is called Fairy Tales for Robots. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. I'm teaching a course on fairy tales right now. Uh-huh. Um, and when I was you know, researching um, and preparing the course, I was also writing that story at the same time. So it's sort of a it's almost like a robot's eye view of the fairy tale tradition or what might be interesting um, to a robot in these very old stories. And there is a lot in there. I mean, there are so many sort of magical dolls and um, and figures that are made just to work it's, or that exist only to work. Um, there are a lot of connections I found. I, I have to say that was my favorite story in the collection. Oh, thank you so much. And, and partly because it wasn't one story. It was a whole anthology uh, in, in one story. Yeah, it is kind of. It's like a mini anthology of, of fairy tales for robots. But so, it's, also, it's also an yeah. essay on the nature of, of fairy tales. Like I, I, Pinocchio is there, I think. Uh, oh, yes. E.T.A. Uh-huh. Hoffman. Uh Yes. All these, uh, so so all those things which you hadn't thought of, I hadn't thought of in terms of being like er robots or proto robots. Sure, they they the golem, uh, I think is in there, isn't it? Yeah, the golem is in there. The Tin Man is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I found um, actually uh, once I started looking at at these older stories from that angle, I just found a wealth of of really interesting stuff. I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, it was wonderful. Um, and um, anything else? Well, yeah, there is um, another anthology um, called Philosophy Through Science Fiction Stories. Oh, really? And Yes, it is er- edited by Eric Schritzgable. Oh, I've never heard his name pronounced. That's what it huh. looks like to me. Um, and it is... Um, it's coming out sometime this year. It's supposed to come out by the end of this year. Now, I don't know. If, I haven't heard about it recently. Uh-huh. I don't know if there have been any delays, but it is supposed to be a 2020 book. And um, in that book, I have a short story called The New Book of the Dead, which is about artificial intelligence and oh. is looking um, looking at the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So, again, I guess it's, it's maybe been... Um, um, a theme or something that's appealed to me recently is sort of the very the very new and the very old and how they come together. That is fascinating. And the idea of a philosophy through science fiction sounds like a fascinating anthology. There were a series of anthologies back in, I think, probably the 70s. I think Martin Greenberg did them where they were trying to get science fiction into the classroom. I think there was one called philosophy through science fiction. There was one called uh, uh, economic political science through science fiction mm-hmm. and the, but, but those were not original anthologies so i assume this is an anthology of all original stories well it's a combination so ah. there are um there are some original stories and then mine is an original story and then there are also some reprints so it, it's a combination but yeah i think i read um actually the philosophy and science fiction book that you're talking about that was because didn't it have it had sort of thought experiments and writing by philosophers alongside. Yeah, it had. Reprinted. Uh, exactly. Yeah, 
Yeah, which it was it was a very interesting book. Too. Well, I mean, it is interesting because when you put well, we can. Okay, we're running out of time, but when you put together <laughs> things like uh, the ones who walk away from Omalas with uh, with the William James passage that actually inspired it, it's interesting to look at the same thing from the point of view of the story and just the speculation. Sure, absolutely. But, but we're done. We've, we're past our ten minute uh, uh, period. Okay. Again. This is Gary Wolf. I've been talking with Sophia Samatar and spending 10 delightful minutes. Thank you so much. Thank you. And join us for the next of these short podcasts.